Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I want you to join me if you will and you can remain seated but in the book of Luke 24, 45 through 49. The book of Luke chapter 24 and verse 45. Today we're going to pick up where we have been teaching for several Sundays mornings on on foundations, and I, I'm thankful for what we stand on and what we're built on, and um, I'm thankful that it's not just the idea of men or uh, just some knee-jerk reaction. I'm thankful for the solidity of the foundation of the Word of God to hold us, to help us, and and so today, as we visit some very familiar territory for most, I pray that we not, do not become cavalier in our spirit because we may have already heard this, but I pray that we can let the spirit and the presence of the Lord touch our minds afresh again. The book of Luke 24 and verse number 45, and I'll read down through verse number 49. The Bible says, Then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send you the promise of my, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. <coughs> and with the help of the Lord today, I want to I preach about the power of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I realize that for uh, the majority of this adult class today that many of you have experienced the power of the Holy Ghost baptism. And so for you, I want to just undergird and underline and countersink its importance in our lives because sometimes we may take for granted the very power that dwells in us. But if you don't have the Holy Ghost today, I want you to understand that this is a gift that is for you. Amen. It is for everyone in this world. I want to talk about the importance of receiving the Holy Ghost. In the book of Acts chapter 10 and verses 44 and 45, Verses 44 and 45, the scripture says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. To read these two scriptures and just merely pass on without an understanding of these scriptures in context 
doesn't really mean a lot. It just, to the casual reader, the casual observer, we're just realizing that a few more people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But it wasn't just a few more people. This was the gate to the Gentile world being open to the spirit and the power and the presence of the Lord to be rained down upon them. Proof that the Holy Ghost is for all. Those that will receive, those that will open their heart and their minds. The book of Acts 19 and verse number four, the scripture says, then said Paul to speaking to John's disciples, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I know that we spoke about baptism last Sunday, but here we're gonna take it another step. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. But in verse number six, the Bible says, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, amen, when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And so the re- receiving the Holy Ghost is, is possibly one of the most important spiritual events that a person will ever experience in God. It is certainly a moment that none of us have ever forgotten. We remember many details about that particular moment where we were, um, the date of where we were. You may even remember who was speaking. Some may even remember the subject that was being preached on or whatever the case may be. That's That's just a moment that we would never escape or never want to escape the power, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And so it is, and it's a tremendous experience. But if I may just interject right here, it's just the beginning. It's just like the birthing of a child. We'll never forget when, where. We'll never forget many details about that, but we didn't just walk away and leave that that baby in a cradle. We didn't just walk away, leave the baby in a nursery at a hospital room somewhere but we understand that there's some growth and some some teaching that has to come beyond that. So much emphasis is placed upon receiving the Holy Ghost, and and rightfully so. It's It's not out of order to make a lot of emphasis there because it is an essential component to new birth. And so we ought to celebrate that moment, and we ought to underline that because this is essential. If we're going to make heaven our home, We're going to have to have the Holy Ghost to get us out of here because it's the Holy Ghost that gives the power to lift us on that resurrection morning. Amen. On that resurrection morning, we're going to need more than flesh and bone, but we're going to need something in our spirit. Jesus said in John 3, 5, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, that's not just an apostolic opinion That is not just a Pentecostal twist on the word of God. This is the word of God that you could read and would be read in any language and would be the same in any language. We must be born of the water and of the spirit. Jesus said, without such, we cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen. And I want to tell you that when you, in this hour, especially it has always been true, but I can certainly tell you that in this hour, when you draw distinctive lines in the sand, and say, this is what you must do in order to be saved, that puts you in a category all of your own. 
Amen. It certainly does. It certainly does because we live in a world today when the church society at large just says, you believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. And we'll just all, we're just all going to join together on the other side in the sweet by and by. As I've said, not in an attempt to be unkind at all, but it's been a long time since you've ever attended a funeral where someone wasn't sitting on the front row. It doesn't matter their past life. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter. It, none of that seems to be taken into account. Yet, the scripture teaches us that it's a narrow road that leads us to heaven and yet a broad path that takes us to hell. The scripture even tells us that, that hell hath opened herself, her mouth rather, without measure. And so we must be very, very careful that we, uh, that we individually study the scripture and have an understanding that I need the Holy Ghost. I must have the Holy Ghost. Amen. There's a, there is a tremendous spiritual awakening in our world today to the power of receiving the Holy Ghost. And many people in uh, many parts of the world and not, not excluding our own nation are coming to the realization of the importance of Holy Spirit baptism. Amen. And there are many people that are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why? It's, it's not a phenomenon in the sense that, that it's something strange or odd, but it is the Spirit of God stirring in the hearts of people. I don't mean to sound crass this morning, but if you don't want it, that's okay. Someone, someone does. The Spirit of the Lord said that, that if we will not praise Him, that the rocks would cry out. And so uh, God is not so desperate for a bride that He's just going to tolerate sin in my life or in your life and ignore this and overlook that. He's going to stir the heart of men and women somewhere far and wide. Amen. And so there is an awakening, a spiritual awakening of people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Of course, with this spiritual awakening to the importance of receiving the Holy Ghost, that obviously raises several questions. Many questions that are on the hearts and even the lips of people today is, is the fact or the question, is the Holy Ghost essential to salvation? And if so, how do we receive the Holy Ghost? And in, if we receive the Holy Ghost, how is that evidenced? Amen. And, and then is this an experience that is available for all of us today? Because some believe that it was just for another time. It was just for another people. It is not relevant for us today. I think these are sincere questions which people want answers, not just answers from men, but answers from the word of God. And so I will tell you this, that God in his word has not left these questions unanswered. He has not ignored. The answers are there. They're there for us to search out because he wants to know us and he wants us to know him. And so they're there. Amen. And so I'm thankful for the truth of God's word. I say that with humility and not with arrogance, but I say I'm thankful for the truth of God's word. Nothing could be greater, nothing at all could be greater than the Spirit of God dwelling in the heart of men. One Old Testament prophet said that no longer would the law of God be written in stone. It would not just be chronicled in stone, but it would be written in the heart of men. The Holy Ghost is for all that are afar off. That's what Acts 2 and 39 says. It's to all that are afar off. The infilling of the Spirit provides us the power to live an overcoming and a victorious Christian life with joy. I'm thankful for that. Amen. The Holy Ghost gives us power. Doesn't mean that we're not going to have 
sad days. It doesn't mean that we won't face tragic events in our lives. It doesn't mean that we won't have questions that pose themselves without answers. But I'm going to tell you that still the Spirit of God gives us the ability to live an overcoming life with victory, amen, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Spirit gives us power to overcome the devil, Amen, the power to overcome the world, the power to overcome sin. It empowers us to become effective witnesses in the world in which we live. I want to underline effective witnesses in the world in which we live, not conflicting witnesses of being something today and something else tomorrow and something else the next day, but I'm thankful for the Spirit, the power of God that can baptize us with His victory with consistency. Praise the Lord. Amen. We uh, have many of us found ourselves laying face down in the absolute, what we considered the dust of failure. But aren't you glad that we knew the scripture that said, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. Amen. When I sit in darkness, God will be a light unto me. So I have been in the valley of despair. I have fallen and you have fallen. You have been in dark places and seasons of your life. But aren't you thankful that the Holy Ghost could shine a light, a light of hope in your world? Amen. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost in his light. There have been times his light was not as brilliant as these lights above me today as I speak. There have been times perhaps his light was just almost a flickering candle. But if the, if the situation was dark enough, the light was sufficient enough. I'm thankful for the light of the word, the light of the word that shines in our lives to be transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost to not be the old man that we used to be. I'm thankful for that. Amen. The Bible talks about the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. I'm thankful for the evidence that comes, that evidence that shines for the world, for all men to see. It's not a time or a season of just showing for the sake of showing, to be, to be seen for the sake of being seen, but it is evidence of the Spirit and the power of God residing in a heart. I believe there is a question in the hearts of men at large today, a question that has been on the heart and even on the lips of mankind from the day of Pentecost, and that is, what must we do? What must we do? That was a question that was born at the conclusion of a message by Simon Peter on the day of Pentecost. What must we do? There's an urgency that should baptize the church in every ministry that we have, not not just to go through the motions to be doing things for the sake of doing things, to be moving for the sake of moving, to be having church today just for the sake of having church. But I believe there ought to be a demonstration of the Spirit and the presence of God, not just a demonstration in that we clap our hands or that we're demonstrative in some fashion, but I believe there ought to be something that happens. The Scripture says that while Peter was speaking these words, they were pricked in their heart. And so I believe that there ought to be something that moves in the heart of man, an urgency that says, I need to know what to do. I want you to lead me and show me and guide me. And at that moment, we need to be able to rightly divide 
the word of God, to connect the scriptures together, to be able to lead people to a place, amen, to answer this question in their heart. Peter was asked this on the day of Pentecost, amen, and so he told them immediately what they must do in order to receive or in order to be saved. We're not saved by works. We understand that. It's the grace of God that has brought us where we are today. However, the scriptures plainly teach us that there are things that we must do. We must move. There must be something that's added to our faith. Faith without works is dead. You've heard that many, many times. (coughs) (coughs) James 2 and... (coughs) I am more frustrated with this than you are. I promise you that. James 2 and 17 says, Even so, faith, if faith has not works, it is dead. (coughs) It is dead being alone. So we need to realize that when faith is generated in our heart, it will force us to act on our faith. There will be something that follows just mere believing. Amen, it's far more than just believing. It must start with belief, but we've got to move on to obeying the word of God. Amen, I've got to to move into the, the realm of obeying and letting the spirit of God speak and then let my flesh and my will follow the will of God. The salvation process certainly begins with faith. Without faith, without faith Hebrews 11 and 6 says it is impossible to please God Paul speaking to the Philippian jailer explained how he could be saved Acts 16 and 31 sadly this is where some people begin and end in their salvation process Amen. The Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Acts 16 and 1. Amen. We understand that there is no salvation outside of the outside of the cross of Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Acts 4 and 12 said, Neither is there salvation in any other. And so we can't be saved outside of the umbrella or the reach of the hand of God. If we are to be saved, then we must start with believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We have to begin there. But it is just the beginning. I can tell you that in order, if you're going to leave this building and you're going to drive to downtown Atlanta, I can tell you that what you must do in order to begin your trip there is you're going to have to pull out of this parking lot and you're going to have to turn right. Amen? Just stay with me. I know you could turn left and get there another way, but just stay with me. You're going to have to turn right. Let's pretend that's a dead end. You're going to have to turn right. That's how you're going to have to begin. But you're going to have to do way more than that if you're going to get from here to Atlanta. There are some other turns. There's some other things. In in some cases, there's some tolls to be paid. Amen. In some cases, there are some bridges to cross. In some cases, if depending on where you're going, there's tunnels to grow to go through. So it's far more than just believing. 
Amen. We understand there is salvation in no other. And so if we are to be saved, we must start with believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. But there is more to salvation than just merely believing. Faith to believe. Faith to believe. Amen. That that we need to believe. Faith is going to have to come by hearing. And that hearing is going to have to be followed by accepting the preached word of God. Please let me say that again. If we're going to have faith and our our faith is going to be cultivated to the point where we can believe, then we're going to get that faith by hearing the word of God. But after hearing the word of God, we've got to do something about that. There are countless people. I have no way would I know today how many people have heard just me alone preach the salvation message of what must be done in order to be saved. Amen. But if you you have the power because you have your own will to get up and to walk away and to never act on that or, or obey that. Amen. So we've got to accept that. Some people just reject it and say, I don't believe that. Well, you don't have to believe me, but we never, we had better believe this word because the book that is open before me today is the same book that we're going to be judged out of in the end of time. Amen. So we're going to have to have faith to hear the word of God and then accept that word of God, that preached word of God. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. (coughs) We talked about some of these steps in our study. And so let me just summarize them very quickly. We must repent. Repentance means to change our mind and our purpose. Not just change our mind. Amen. Because you can change your mind today and change your mind again tomorrow and change it again the next day. But when we're talking about a change of mind, that denotes a change of moral thought, a change of reflection. That change is made far deeper than just in our brain. But somewhere down inside, there is a change of moral thought and reflection. It's not merely to repent of or to forsake sins, but it is to change our mind and our apprehensions regarding sin. Amen. I've got to change everything in my life regarding that. It is to come to a right understanding, to have a genuine change of heart and a life and a desire for a better life. We have to change everything about us. This is how I used to think. This is how I used to respond. But I have got to change the man that I am, the woman that you may be. How are we going to do that? We're going to do that only by the power of God. We don't have the willpower. We don't have the strength within ourselves to do this alone. Repentance is to genuinely change our attitude towards sin. What a powerful passage of Scripture. Almost a subtle message, if you will, that comes to us in the introduction of Job. The Bible says of Job that he was a man who loved God and eschewed evil. Or he loved God, but he hated evil. Can I tell you today that we got to have more than just a little dislike for sin. When we think about what's going on in our world today, there ought to be such a righteous indignation that stirs in our heart. Amen. When we think about when when we think about the decisions that are being made in powerful places today to open the door to sin and debauchery of all shapes, sizes, and colors, something in our heart ought to turn over. Something deep in us 
I, I'm not just talking about shaking our head or wagging our, our, our finger, but I'm talking about something deep inside of every born-again man and woman ought to turn wrong side out. Why? Because it is such a horrible thing to see where sin has taken us as a nation. Amen. Now, let me just let me just interject something here. You know, people have debated for many years. Some have debated for many years the teaching of holiness and separation, and that ladies ought to look like ladies, and that men ought to look like men. And I understand that for us, it ought to be at least getting more and more clear by the day that what God is after for His people is distinction. Amen. So what difference does it make? Well, I hope you can pick up your newspaper today and find out what difference it makes. It makes a whole lot of difference. It always has made a lot of difference. And so when we see the agenda that hell has devised for this generation, then the church ought to stand up. This is not a time that the church should be looking and acting and, 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 and walking toward the world, but this is a time that the church ought to be standing up louder than ever before. Why? Because people need someone to look to. They need a mark to walk toward. Praise God. And that ought to be, that ought to be our, that ought to be our mindset about sin. Amen. I, I believe that repentance is a change of our attitude. Uh, additionally, I think that, that not only does, does true repentance create a disdain for sin, but I believe that true repentance also creates a desire for righteousness. And so God never asks us to walk away from something without instructing us to walk towards something. And so sometimes people think, well, the church is just no, 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 don't, don't, don't. When in fact, you just heard half the message. Amen, it is no to this and yes to that. Amen, it is don't do this, but do this. It is divorcing ourselves from the world and, and carnal natures and fleshly desires and marrying ourselves to the passions of the cross. Hallelujah. Amen, the essence, I believe, of true repentance, the essence of true repentance is probably most underlined, underscored for us in the prayer of the publican that is found in Luke chapter 18 of verse 13. Amen. In his true prayer of repentance, the essence of his prayer was this, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. Not for the sake of condemnation, not for the sake of beating us down to our lower rung on the ladder, but it is that realization that we need the spirit and the presence of God to change me, a sinner. Jesus died that the world through him might be saved from sin. When we, by the word of God, recognize that we are sinners and that we need a savior, then we need to repent of our sins, amen, and commit our lives to God. And godly sorrow bringeth about repentance. And my grandfather used to say this. I heard this as a young man. Probably many times, I heard it probably many times before I truly understood it. We used to say something like this at least. A dried-eyed repentance isn't worth whatever, a wooden nickel or whatever his little, whatever his little thing he would insert there. But a dried-eyed repentance doesn't carry a lot of weight or a lot of value. Why? Because we need that godly sorrow. 
Now, is somebody there to measure the tears? Is somebody there to count the tears? And after so many ounces of tears, we now consider you to be truly repentant. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But I believe that godly sorrow brings about an urgency. Godly sorrow says, I gotta do something about this and I gotta do it now. And so to completely and thoroughly repent is so important in our life with God. As a matter of fact, I believe we ought to repent daily. Amen. I don't think we ought to sin daily, but I believe that we ought to repent daily. God, just help me today and forgive me if certainly there has been an error in our life. Forgive me. I'm not just talking about forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I've said often, amen, on those areas of besetting sins, we don't just need to pray for forgiveness. We have to pray for deliverance. Amen. If it's something that keeps showing up on our doorstep day after day after day, I say, Lord, deliver me. Deliver me from that, whatever that may be. Amen. Repentance is being honest with our, ourselves. It's being honest with God. It is confessing our guilt. It is asking God to be merciful. Amen. We talked about this last Sunday, but then we need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Peter told the Jews on the day of Pentecost to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness and removal of sins. In Luke chapter in, in Luke in Luke chapter in Luke, in Luke chapter twenty four and verse number forty seven, Jesus stated that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And that's exactly what Simon Peter did in preaching baptism for the remission of sin in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm thankful for the power of the preached word. And I'm thankful that I'm an end result of preaching, an end result of a preacher in my life that was preaching without fear and without favor. And so that's why I would tell you again today that whatever you do, paint the walls whatever color you want to paint them, put whatever color carpet you want to put in, so to speak. Amen. Do whatever you want to do in those regards, but don't ever put a tether on the pulpit. Amen. Don't ever, don't ever muzzle the mouth of the oxen that is treading out the corn. Hallelujah. You wouldn't want, I'm going to say it again, you wouldn't want a doctor to be dishonest with you when he knows you got a growing tumor in your chest. Amen. You wouldn't want him to put his arm around you and say all is well. You wouldn't want to be standing facing a prison sentence with an attorney that said don't worry about a thing when he knew you were about to be going away for a while. And so I'll tell you by the same token, you don't want a preacher. Amen. Standing behind this pulpit saying all is well, all is well, all is well. We need an anointed watchman on the wall. We need an anointed eye that looks down the future. Praise God. A voice, John the Baptist was a voice crying in the wilderness. I understand, I understand to some and if not most, he didn't look like, uh, he didn't look like the one that would be the forerunner of Christ. Amen. He was not the man that looked the part. He was not the man that acted the part. I realize it was a long time before Dale Carnegie, but he certainly didn't have anything about him that would have the trappings and the trimmings of someone that would win friends and influence people. Amen. John the Baptist came with one message, and that was turn or burn. Amen. That was it. Just simply put, you're going to have to repent. You're going to have to repent. You're going to have to repent. Amen. Jesus stated that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. 
And that's exactly what Peter did in preaching baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And Ananias said to Saul of Tarsus, this is what he said in Acts twenty-two sixteen. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Our sins are remitted when, when we with faith in God are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not only is water baptism necessary, but I believe the formula used in baptism is vitally important. Amen. Because man can't forgive sin and remit sin. Man can only go through the motions and be a vessel and the conduit through which God can move. And so in order for our sins to be remitted and removed through water baptism, we must call on the name and invoke a name that is higher than any name. There is none other name under heaven given among men. That is the name whereby we must call. At repentance, we confess our sins and commit ourselves to live for God. <coughs> However, our sins are removed in water baptism. This is not just some religious ritual that we are going through, but sins are being remitted. It's an, it's an important, it is a vital and necessary part of the plan of salvation. Of the plan of salvation. So we see this illustrated uh, even in the Old Testament in the wilderness, the altar represented death where the blood was shed. The laver was there in that old tabernacle for the washing or the cleansing before the priest moved into the sanctuary. Amen. That was given to us as a symbol of baptism. That brings us to where we are today, receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is God's plan for every believer to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Receiving the Holy Ghost is as normal as repenting and being baptized. It is all connected together. It's a supernatural experience that can never be explained or explained away by man. Amen. There are some that say there is no such thing as the Holy Ghost. Well, you just got to town too late to tell me and a whole lot of people. Amen. There's a young man that was being pushed, prodded, there was a young man that was almost being interrogated and finally he just cleared his throat and looked this judgmental crowd in the eye and just simply cleared it all up with this. There is one thing I know. I was once blind, but now I see. Amen. I can tell you that I did not have the Holy Ghost at some point in my life, but I began to pray in an altar of prayer after true repentance and the Lord baptized me with his spirit. And I began to speak with other tongues. Not as my grandfather taught me. Not as my mother taught me. Not as a Sunday school teacher taught me. Not as a youth pastor taught me. But as the spirit of the Lord gave the utterance. The Holy Ghost came. The Holy Ghost came. Amen. When I was growing up, I would hear preachers talk about getting the Holy Ghost. is a lot like buying a pair of shoes. Amen. Some of you, I'm going to date myself with that. So you, the shoes always come with tongues. Amen. The Holy, and the Holy Ghost always come with tongues. Been a while since you heard that one, huh? Amen. That's how the Holy Ghost comes, like a pair of shoes. It's going to come with tongues. Amen. shall receive the power, but you shall receive power after the, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, Acts 1 and 8. 
Joel prophesied, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Peter quoted, Peter quoted this verse of Scripture in his sermon on Pentecost. And as I have often tried to illustrate at this point in any teaching, in the New Testament, in the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God began to be poured out, it was very puzzling to those who were there to behold this. It was puzzling to those onlookers because they heard and began to see something that they did not understand. Some supposed them, and this was not too outside of the realm of reason, of being drunk. And so that's why Simon Peter said, these are not drunk as you suppose. And uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't correcting them in the sense of reprimanding them. But then when Simon Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, I, I think that is one of the most critical, certainly a pivotal point in this entire New Testament experience because Simon Peter was trying to say this is not some newfangled something that we have made up for this moment, but this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so Simon Peter connected right there the New Testament church and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost to the Old Testament prophecies, but not just of that to Joel, though he did speak to that specifically, but I believe that Simon Peter was connecting the New Testament church with every sign, amen, with all the symbolism that had been brought to us beginning at the, in the very, from the very beginning. The Holy Ghost is for all who will believe. And there are sometimes many obstacles that, that all of us have had to face some things in order or obstacles that we had to, to, to get around in order to receive the Holy Ghost. And so those obstacles today are still present uh, and they're, they're still alive in the minds and the hearts of many people and the lives of many people. But can I tell you, if I speak to anything today that you're struggling with, can I tell you with great assurance that someone else here has already crossed that bridge. Someone else faced this as well. Sometimes we have to struggle through and press through the spirit of doubt. Some people may not believe the Holy Ghost is for today. Some people may believe the Holy Ghost is just for certain people. Some may believe that in order to receive the Holy Ghost that uh, we, we have, we have uh, they may believe that, that, uh, that it is not relevant for today, as I said, or even for us, us today or maybe for a different segment of people. But I believe in order to receive the Holy Ghost, the Scripture teaches us that I have got to believe that this promise is, is to me. It is to you and to your children. As many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. The promise is to me. And so I have to climb over the spirit of doubt that would assail me. Where's doubt going to come from? Doubt's going to come from the enemy. If he can get you to doubt the value of this experience, doubt that it is for you, or doubt that it is for the New Testament church of today, then he can hold you in hostage. Sometimes... We have to conquer fear. Some fear uh, the results of receiving the Holy Ghost. Some worry about, I'm going to tell you, I prayed for people that were seeking for the Holy Ghost that the Lord laid on my heart that they were afraid of how their family was going to respond. They were afraid of how others in their life was going to respond. And I have stopped them in their prayer and just prayed over that spirit of fear and say, you're going to have to let the Lord work that part out. Amen. And sometimes these are things that uh, that we really have to consider. Amen. They're, they're real considerations. And so the spirit of fear, some may be fear, may 
fear that they're going to be unable to live this life. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. Well, from where you're standing there or where you're sitting now, you will not be able to do that. But when you walk in faith and step into what God promises us, he will give us strength day by day. I'm going to tell you this morning that there are those... (coughs) There... (coughs) There are those in this house that feared what I'm talking about right here today. I don't know if I'll be able to live it. I don't know if I'll be able to do it. I don't know how my family will respond. Amen. And you know what? In some cases, it probably costs friends. In some cases, it may have cost some family relationships. But I'm going to tell you there are those today that would say it was worth every mile. It was worth everything that I've ever had to encounter. Amen. These fears come from the enemy. Second Timothy 1 and 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And so we can't bow at the altar of fear. There are others that have to conquer pride. Oh yes. Many have failed to receive the Holy Ghost because of pride. They refuse to humble themselves and yield to the Spirit of God. Maybe, maybe a myriad reasons why. Maybe they fear embarrassment. Amen, or, or, or what others may think. But I'm going to tell you that God's Spirit will never cause someone to behave in a manner that's unseemingly. And I believe that you're going to probably, most likely, receive the Holy Ghost according to your own nature. I've seen quiet people, reserved people, get a genuine, powerful dose of the Holy Ghost in a very quiet and reserved but palatable fashion. Is that all right? Amen. Most likely God's not going to pull you out of who you are. I hope I'm making sense there. Now if God needs to destroy some pride in your life, amen, I remember one man, a good pastor friend of mine, who said that he was very prejudiced when he was a young man. And there was a man of color, let's just say that way, that that attended their church. And he just really avoided him because of the prejudice that was in his heart. And so he said when he got the Holy Ghost that night, he began to speak with other tongues and just got caught up emotionally and broken. And he just started going around and hugging people's neck. And he said, when I came to myself, I was hugging the neck of the very man that I disdained. And you know what? God killed prejudice in his heart right there, that very moment, that very span of time. And so God may have to do what he needs to do in order to stamp out the pride in our life, and he was the better for that. Before receiving the Holy Ghost, we've got to learn to bring our human will into obedience to the will of God, and we've got to yield to his spirit. There are many ways, many uh, avenues in which the spirit of God may come into our lives. Amen. I, I, I don't think that there's just any one set pattern. I know people that have received the Holy Ghost in cars, people that have received the Holy Ghost at home, people that have received the Holy Ghost certainly in revival and camp meeting. Amen. Received the Holy Ghost just out behind the barn. I remember one man testifying to that, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But there are some things that the Lord uses to help create that in our heart. I believe that the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost and I believe that it's evident in scripture that the atmosphere was charged with worship and praise and so it never hurts to have worship and praise 
We ought to magnify the Lord, lifting up our voices and our lives in true worship. Amen. Other times we find that the Holy Ghost comes by the laying on of hands. Amen. In the revival of Samaria, it had reached its apex by Peter and John laying hands on believers for them to receive the Holy Ghost. Acts 8 and 17, they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. After John's disciples at Ephesus were baptized in Jesus' name, Paul, the Bible says, laid hands on them in Acts 19 and 6 and they spake with tongues. And so here are biblical examples where people laid hands on someone. And I believe there are times that we should uh, lay hands on people to, to help their faith connect to a point that they can break through perhaps some of the things I talked about, pride, doubt, or fear, or other things that they may be struggling with. I would say this by way of instruction. I think that we need to be very careful in laying hands on people. Amen. You, you need to be very careful that that is ordained of God and not just some Pentecostal churchism uh, kind of thing that we just do what we think will work. We need to be very mindful of the Spirit of God because what you do well-intentioned may well distract someone and the enemy may use, may use that to, to, to have the very opposite effect on that. And so don't try to massage it in somebody. Don't try to Jesus, 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 Jesus it into somebody. Amen. We just need to let the Spirit of God move upon them. But I do, I do believe in laying on of hands. Amen. That is a point of contact. Faith is often released by laying on of hands of God-ordained people at God-ordained moments. And so that's where we must be very sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord. I believe the hearing of the Word, we find this in Scripture, Acts 10 records the account of the household of Cornelius that the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost while the word of God was being preached. <coughs> while the word was going forth, they were hungry. They were already in a repentant condition, ready re to receive. And so during the preaching of the word of God, the Holy Ghost spoke, amen, and then Peter commanded them to be baptized. And so from the examples in Acts, we learn that there's really no set pattern as to how as to how the Holy Ghost may come upon someone. They may receive it during the preaching. They may receive it during the laying on of hands, et cetera, et cetera. Amen. How a person is filled with the Holy Ghost is up to that individual and up to God. As I've said, amen, I, I remember many many years ago now, Sister Amy Osborne received the Holy Ghost. And I, I remember uh, my son was one that came to me and he said, you know, I just feel like Amy is gonna get the Holy Ghost at this camp meeting. We were all at camp meeting. He he said, I just feel like she's going to get the Holy Ghost at camp meeting. And I think that there were probably many of us that felt that way. And, and so Friday night came and went of the, of the camp meeting. And so she had not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But you know what? When they got home from church that night and began to talk about what the Lord was doing while they were laying in their bed together, amen, the Spirit of the Lord filled Amy with the Holy Ghost. And so she didn't get it with the laying on of hands. She didn't receive the Holy Ghost while somebody was preaching, so to speak. But the, So the Spirit of the Lord will just move upon us individually as he needs to move. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Ghost today? Let's stand. Amen. Praise God. Why don't we lift our hands? Lord, for just a moment, can we do that? Praise God, praise God, praise the Lord. I love you today, Jesus. 
Praise God, praise God, praise God. What a mighty God we serve who desires to hear us, to heal us, to strengthen us. Amen, I'm gonna tell you today, church, that there is, there's never been a more ready moment, never been a more important time for the Spirit of God to move upon the hearts of men. It's dark outside. It's dark outside. So we need to let the light of this glorious gospel shine. Don't back away from your convictions. Don't back away from what God settled in your heart a long time ago. Amen. There should be some things that we nail down. Amen. Not to have to revisit that again. Amen. We need to understand that what I've been talking about today, the infilling of the Holy Ghost as evidence was speaking with other tongues, was a common sign displayed through the accounts in the book of Acts. It was not just the 12 apostles who spoke with tongues. Amen. The 120 believers spoke in new tongues in Acts 2.4. That same experience is for everyone today. Here is the greatest thing that I could possibly say to anybody that is in this building or anyone who ever may hear this message, wherever you may be when you hear me, I want you to understand the most valuable thing that I could tell you today is found in this passage of Scripture, Acts 2 and 39, and all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. For the promise, the promise of the Holy Ghost, amen, is to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord that moves, His anointing, His presence, amen, is here for us today. I wonder if we could slip our hands heavenward. Would you slip your hands heavenward now? Let the Spirit of the Lord touch us together. Amen. We're going to worship the Lord in song. We're going to magnify Him in song today. I want to underline this message, church. If you've got the Holy Ghost, don't doubt your experience. If you've got the power of the Lord living in you, don't doubt the power to overcome sin. Don't, don't doubt the power to have joy. Don't doubt the power to have victory in your life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, the accuser of the brethren would love to stand before you today and rob you of another dimension. The accuser of the brethren today would love to rob you of another dimension in God. Hallelujah. But aren't you thankful for the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ that baptizes us, that purchases us, that would make that purchase effective. Hallelujah. The power of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I'm glad that I know who Jesus is. Thank you, Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.